Good morning. Welcome to worship today. Special welcome to friends, guests, or visitors that we have with us. We're very glad that you are here and, and want to extend our welcome to those uh, joining us online or by phone as well. Um, please take a look at the uh, announcements uh, printed in your bulletin. Um, starting today, after worship, for the next four weeks, there will be a grief support group meeting in the library led by uh, Lynn Robinson. So if you are uh, interested in that, want to, to stick around after church and, and attend that, you all are welcome. Uh, this is the first meeting, so you haven't, uh, haven't missed anything, and so you're welcome just to stop by and learn what that group is all about. Um, and we're very grateful to you, Lynn, for, for offering that, so thank you for doing that. Uh, during Lent, we're doing a deep dive into the Sermon on the Mount. Kind of, we, we started uh, talking about the Sermon on the Mount on, uh, during Epiphany, and then I was having so much fun, I thought we'd keep going. People came to the first service, uh, I made them sit through the whole Sermon on the Mount in one reading, but we're not, we're not going to do that every week. That was just the first time. So uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be doing a deep dive on, on some various parts of the Sermon on the Mount uh, on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're also doing, uh, during that service, hold an evening prayer, and I know that's a favorite service of, of many of you, so we hope you'll join us on Wednesday night. We're collecting food for the, uh, the Scouts for Food Drive and, and just in general for our local food pantry. If you would like to uh, uh, collect food and, and bring it, there's a, a, a spot for you to leave those donations. Uh, you can talk to me or, or uh, Vicki or Kathy or Kaya or any, any of the other people involved with that uh, food collection. I think we're still looking for a couple people to bring Healing House meals to. There's some information about uh, Healing House in the bulletin. Uh, talk to Kaya if you're interested in providing a, a meal. Or do, do we fill up the, the Healing House meals yet, Jen, that you know? Okay, I think we got to have a couple more. Um, and then I just want, we're, we're introducing this new liturgy during Lent. So we had our first time through last week. Uh, it's fitting in that uh, March is Women's History Month, and this is a liturgy that was written in response to uh, the faith and sexism social statement in addition to the anniversaries of uh, the ordination of women in the LCA, the ordination of the first woman of color in the LCA, and the ordination of LGBTQIA plus uh, people. And so uh, it's a liturgy that's meant to expand our language and imagination for for our God, and so uh, uh, we're, we're, this is our second time through, and it, it just feels appropriate to name that uh, that it is a liturgy based on uh, feminine imagery and the experiences of women, both in the Bible and in everyday life. So uh, we we are uh, going to go through it again today. Are there any other announcements that we should make today before we begin? If not, we'll begin our service with our prelude music.
please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. As we gather for worship, let us come to God in silence, offering in prayer our sighs and breath. We do not know how to pray. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. We do not know how to pray, but the Spirit intercedes for us with sighs, with sighs too deep for words. With sighs, Praise our wonderful Maker, who wove our bodies from the depths of the earth, hems us in behind and before, and will knit us back together. Amen. Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. But we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. Have mercy, O God. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. Jesus said, The realm of God is like a woman baking bread. She adds a pinch of yeast to flour, and the dough rises and grows in ways we never imagined. By this ever-expanding grace, God fills us with new life. We are freed to love our neighbors as God first loved us.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Gracious and Holy One, maker of heaven and earth, in trust, in praise, in hope, we lift our eyes to the hills. For your help is steady and your way is sure. You bless the questions that find their voice in holy darkness, where we are tempted to condemn, to draw righteous lines that limit your salvation, your healing. Open us to a love that is wider, deeper, fuller. Grant grace sufficient for these days, saving grace for this season, healing grace lived out in Christ's love with your whole creation. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading is from Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, 
Go from your country and your king, kindred to your father's house and to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Blessed are those who seek wisdom The second reading is from Romans chapter 4. 
What then are we to say was gained by Abraham our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is no, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Blessed are they who seek wisdom. briefly to say before the gospel reading that in the season of Lent in year A, we get these big long readings from John, so if you need to sit down during these big long readings, you are, are welcome to, but you can also, uh, you're welcome to stay standing as well. The word made flesh dwells among us, full of grace and truth. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Please be seated. And may grace and peace be with you, friends. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We have some lovely and powerful texts for today speaking about God's expansive love for the whole world. From Genesis 12, where Abram is given this task to, bl to bless Abram to be a blessing to all the world. And then the familiar and transforming words of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. But I want to begin with uh, kind of a remarkable fact. And I'm looking to some of our uh, science and math people here in, in, the, in the room because you know this would probably be able to check this better than I can. Uh, but as I understand it, it is incredibly unlikely, improbable, that any of us are alive, let alone gathered here today. It's something of a miracle that any of us were born at all. The number I've heard tossed around is one in 400 trillion. That, those are our chances of us being alive. I mean, that's such a big number, we can't even fathom that. That each of us had about a one in 400 trillion chance of being born. Those chances are so incredibly small, it's essentially a 0% chance in the grand scheme of things of being born. And yet, here you are. Here we are together. Those numbers, 1 in 400 trillion, were made popular by a 2011 TED Talk by Mel Robbins. He was taking into consideration the number of possible DNA combinations and just the string of occurrences that it takes for a person to be born. You know, your ancestors meeting and giving birth to a child over through the generations. And when you start to 
go back far enough, the numbers just get bigger and bigger and bigger. It is so much more likely, was his point, that we would not have been born than we are born. And yet, here we are. But others challenged Mel Robinson, not because they thought that he was thinking it was too small of a chance, but that it was even, the odds were even more against us. The other number I saw floating around was one in 400 quadrillion, which I had not heard of that number before. Uh, that's four with 17 zeros behind it. So that's when you take into account the size and age of the universe and how few places in our, in our cosmos that seem to have life. It starts to approach impossible that you would be alive, that we would be alive, that we would be here today. And even the staunch atheist Richard Dawkins expresses downright awe about any of us being alive. He writes in one of his books, the lottery starts before we are conceived. Your parents had to meet, and the conception of each of them was as improbable as your own, and so on back through your grandparents, your four grandparents and your eight great-grandparents, back to where it doesn't even bear thinking about. The potential people who could have been here in my place, Richard Dawkins speaking here, the potential people who could have been here in my place, but who will never see the light of day outnumber the sand grains of Arabia. And then he uses this analogy, he says, given the size of the cosmos, he compares the odds of us being alive at all uh, to flipping a penny at random in the universe and having that penny land on an ant that is marching between New York and San Francisco. So we're lucky to be here, right? It's something of a miracle that we are here at all. And yet most of us take for granted that we were born. We don't know any other reality, right? We've never known things any other way than being born and don't often reflect on how improbable it is. Our gospel reading for today also focuses on being born. It's an odd passive verb, right? It's you can't birth yourself, you are given birth to, you are, we are being born. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born from above. This source has been, uh, uh, this verse has been the source of some debate and some division within the church. Uh, being born from above can also fairly be translated as born anew or born again. So some of our siblings within the Christian family have taken this to mean that Jesus is asking us to be born again through some kind of spiritual decision or conversion moment. Others within the Christian family have taken this section, born from above, to be a reference to baptism. As in when Jesus says later on, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. The problem being that the word that Jesus chose here can mean all three things. It can mean born from above, it can mean born anew, it can be born again. Those are all fair translations. But I'd like to set aside those debates for a moment and instead focus in on Jesus' conversation partner, Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in the dark of night. We're told Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a leader in his community. And so some speculate that he comes to see Jesus in private because he doesn't want to be seen with Jesus in public during the daylight hours. But we don't know that for sure. Some think he could also be a symbolic or representative figure 
because he speaks of himself and Jesus refers to himself in the plural. Nicodemus says, we know. Maybe he represents the Pharisees and their movement, or a group of secret disciples who never became public followers of Jesus, or another group who believe in Jesus because of his signs, which Jesus always says is, is not quite right. Again, it's hard to know for sure that is left to the edges of the text. But Nicodemus does seem to be a person of relative privilege as compared to most of Jesus' followers. In many ways, John chapter 3 is an expansion of John's prologue in chapter 1. The prologue that began, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And then later on, and this is related to our text for today, the prologue says, He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And that's part of the reason I would want to translate that verse, born from above, because it seems to be an expansion of this power that Jesus gives us to become children of God, to be born not of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. So in many ways, today's text is about Christ's power to make us children of the Creator. Born from above is this way of saying born from God. But Nicodemus is confused by Jesus' words. It's not quite a who's on first situation, but it's kind of like it. Jesus picks a word that can mean three different things, and Jesus means it one way, but Nicodemus hears it in another. He says, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? We can perhaps understand this confusion, but he also seems to be taking Jesus a little too literally here. He, Jesus is talking about being born from above, but Nicodemus thinks he's talking about a physical rebirth, apparently. In some ways, the rebirth that Jesus is speaking of is a threat to people like Nicodemus, and a threat to any of us with earthly privilege. Bruce Molina and Richard Rohrbaugh, who wrote this uh, social science commentary on the Gospel of John, talk about how important birth status was. Birth kind of gave you a place in society, and if you came from a good family, you were higher up on the, on the ladder, right? Birth status, they write, was the single all-important factor in determining a person's honor rating. Ascribed honor, the honor derived from one's status at birth, was simply a given. It usually stayed with a person for life. And so to be born over again, born for a second time, however unthinkable that event might be, would alter one's ascribed honor status in a very fundamental way. A new ascribed honor status would derive from a new birth. So if you came from a born to you know, a poor family with not much honor given to your family, a second birth might sound like good news, but if you're someone like Nicodemus, who's kind of important, who came from a good family, hearing that everyone's going to be born again and everyone's going to be a child of God, everyone's going to be equal, that's maybe not such good news for him, right? Or it might, be a little, might, might make him pause. And I wonder how true that is for us here, too, especially those of us with privilege. That in baptism, when we are given new birth, we are leveled with our siblings. That none of us are given status above one another because of who we were born from. 
This was true in the ancient world, and I imagine this honor status, we can find examples in today's world too, where just because of where we were born or who we were born to, we are given advantages and honor that in so many ways are leveled by our baptism. And birth, our first birth, the one we talked about at the beginning, you know, our one in 400 trillion chance, uh, is an odd thing, right? None of us choose to be born, and none of us can take credit for the, the honor that we are given, the privilege, the uh, benefits that we are given just for where we are born. And yet our world tries to take credit for it, right? We try to take credit for our birth, but we had nothing to do with it. We were just thrown into reality one day and found ourselves here and have had to make sense of it since. None of us chose to be born. And I imagine that our rebirth, the born from above that Jesus is talking about, is similarly passive. When Jesus tries to explain it to Nicodemus, he gets even more confusing. He starts talking about the wind. He says, the wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, and so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And this is my, uh, this is my hesitation around that born-again sense, that we need to make a decision for Jesus, or that we need to do something in order to be born again. I didn't choose to be born the first time, and I kind of in fact have an idea that I'm, when I'm born again, I'm not going to have much of a say in it either way. The, you know, the, the Spirit blows where it chooses. Sometimes God just gives us a new life, a new status, a new community. And that's the power that the prologue talks about, that Jesus gives us the power to become children of God. Our birth from above is a gift. God just does it. We do not have this power on our own. And here is the surprise you are not only alive today against all odds, you are also a child of God as a pure gift. As Fred Craddock says in John 3, the church overhears Jesus tell a religious leader that the life abundant and eternal is a gift from above and is not attained by achievement, claim, or proof. Nothing, he says, could be more appropriate for Lent then a reminder, then our prayer and our fasting, all of our works do not earn us anything. You are simply born anew. We should today find ourselves surprised to be alive. We should perhaps be even more surprised to find ourselves as children of God, but I do think our odds are better. We have a better than one in 400 trillion chance of being a child of God because we have a God who is known as the God who loved the world. Friends, you can be certain, you can bet, take the bet of God's love because God so loved the world that he sent us Jesus and Jesus gives you the power today to become a child of God. Amen.
I mentioned at the beginning of the service that our new liturgy was written in response to the social statement on faith and sexism. And so we thought as the beginning of uh, Women's History Month, we'd begin with this profession of faith that includes a renunciation similar to the renunciations of our baptism. Please join me in this profession of faith. God desires full life for all. As a church, we recognize that women, girls, trans, and gender nonconforming people are too often restricted from realizing abundant life due to sexism and patriarchy. This church identifies the social, for social forces that silence, control, or devalue people on the basis of gender as sin. We affirm all people are created in God's image and we reject any power, privilege, or prejudice that disrupts joy, gladness, and flourishing life for all people. I invite you to profess your faith, renouncing the forces of evil and the power of sin. Do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you away from God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the powers of patriarchy and sexism? I renounce them. Do you renounce systems of oppression that harm God's children? I renounce them. Do you renounce the sins of silence that draw one away from God and neighbor? I renounce them. Let us profess our faith. We believe in you, O God, who spoke all life into being author of heaven and earth, architect of time, quilter of the cosmos. You shape our bodies from the dust of the ground, and by your breath we are given life. We believe in you, O God, who became incarnate in Christ Jesus, the Word made flesh, truly divine and truly human. You lived among us to reveal your justice, died among us to break the bonds of sin and death, and were raised among us to bring abundant life. We believe in you, O God, who transforms us by the Holy Spirit, draw us into community, moves us to action, and inspires us to hope against hope. You breathe new life into a fallen world and equip us to proclaim the good news of resurrecting love. All thanks and praise to you, O God, our beginning and our end. O oh God, you so love your church. Raise up leaders who care for your people. Bless lay theologians, seminary and college professors, and all who are called to the ministry of teaching 
that they form and inspire us for the work of the gospel. Merciful God, receive our prayer. O God, you so love your creation. Breathe new life into our planetary home. Guide the work of researchers, scientists, and activists who love your earth and who inspire us to care for the natural world. Merciful God, receive our prayer. O God, you so love the world. Uphold leaders who resist tyranny and oppression. Strengthen organizations that promote peace and harmony, especially the Lutheran Peace Fellowship. Direct their work to alleviate human suffering and to address its root causes. Merciful God, receive our prayer. O oh God, you so love your people. Draw near to all who live with mental illness, depression, or addiction, and accompany them in healing and recovery. Hear the cries of those who look to you in their distress, especially Doris, Judy, Sharon, Jim, and those we name now aloud or silently. Merciful God, receive our prayer. O God, you so love your children. Bless the young in our midst and delight us with their joy, wonder, and curiosity. Revive our ministries with children and youth and equip us all for fellowship, for faithful discipleship. Merciful God, receive our prayer. O God, you so love your saints. As our ancestors in the faith have been a blessing to us, so inspire us by their example of holy living to be a blessing to those who come after us. Merciful God, receive our prayer. God, we lift uh, special prayers today for, uh, the, for all of Steve Dyer's nephews, uh, David. Uh, David, who passed away recently, that you would surround Steve and his family as they mourn David's loss. We ask as well that you uh, bless uh, the beginning of our grief support group and all in our congregation who are grieving at this time. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We lift our prayers to you, O God, trusting in your steadfast love and your promise to renew your whole creation through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Please take a moment to share a sign of uh, peace with those around you.
please stand as you are able. Let us pray. Generous God, we give you praise. You freed the widow from her debt by transforming a small jar of oil into countless overflowing vessels. You liberate us from sin and death by the abundance of this table. Multiply these gifts and fill us with your spirit so that we may embody Christ and enflesh your radical freedom. Amen. God is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Holy One and Holy Three. Now we give thanks for all we have received through the life, death, and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. With all heaven and earth, we shout with joy. All thanks and praise are yours, O God, for in Christ you became incarnate in a human body. By your flesh we are freed from sin, death, and all that holds us captive. You have been revealed to us as one who breathes, and you breathe into us new life. Therefore, we breathe your loving spirit. With the prophet Ezekiel, we cry out. Breathe, oh, breathe, breathe upon us that we may live. We remember on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. It's my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Groaning in expectation with all of creation, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. 
breath of God in this bread and cup, you bring new life to this community. May your spirit intercede for us with sighs too deep for words, so that we might be made one body in Christ. Breathe, oh breathe, breathe upon us that we may live. Revive our faith, infuse us with your peace, and reveal to us your justice, so that we might witness to the resurrection in all that we say and in all that we do. All thanks and praise to you, O God, Holy One and Holy Three. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Heavenly God, giver of life, holy is your name. Your realm come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For you reign in power and glory now and forever. Amen. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. To communion today, you'll go to the side aisles and come forward, where at the front of the side aisles you find these two tables where you'll pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing, where it'll be filled with wine and where you'll receive bread. If you need or desire, grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two side tables. Just grab those elements and bring them with you to the railing. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle and place your empty cup in this bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that you are all very welcome to commune with us today. And we want to uh, extend our communion and our fellowship to those who are joining us online. Uh, we are very glad that you are with us today around the presence of Christ in word and sacrament. Wisdom has prepared the food, poured the wine, and set her table. She calls, come, all are welcome to eat and drink.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Embodied God, at your table we have tasted the goodness of Jesus. With the eyes of our hearts open to your promise, empower us to hear the needs of our neighbors and touch the world with your love.
May the blessing of our wonderful maker, who wove your body in the depths of the earth, hems you in behind and before, and will knit you back together, be with you today and every day. Amen. Amen.